Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Hojin, and I am one of the pastors here at our church, and I do have the privilege of sharing from God's Word uh, this morning. Um, uh, I really, really enjoy learning about people's stories, famous people, uh, actually, like, anybody, because I don't feel like anyone's life is linear. Um, in particular, I'm, I'm curious about what people experienced before they started to have some success or um, achieve things in their lives. And so I have random trivia that, that gets stored up in my mind. Uh, for example, did you know that Michael Jordan, who is considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time, he was cut from his high school basketball team. He went home and cried after getting cut. Steven Spielberg, who is probably the most well-known film director ever, he was rejected from film school, the same film school, three times. And James Dyson, yes, Dyson, uh, uh, Dyson vacuums, he went through 5,126 failed vacuum prototypes before he got it right. And now he is estimated to be the second richest person in the entire UK. The way people face unexpected events in their lives tells us so much about who they are, doesn't it? We get a sense of their passion, their tenacity, their purpose, and we benefit by you know, Googling these people and looking at their lives in hindsight, and we can name these experiences as temporary setbacks in the grand scheme of their lives, but we, we all know that when we face unexpected events, so much is happening in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, Pastor Danny already mentioned a, a bunch of times, but we started a sermon series through the life of Joseph, the son of Jacob, in the book of Genesis, and we have called this series Unexpected, and with the subtitle, you may not be able to see it um, on the screen, but it reads, God's good intentions in the detours of Joseph's life. God's good intentions in the detours of Joseph's life. And Joseph goes through a lot. A lot of it is definitely unexpected. But so far, you know, we've only looked at Genesis 37. So far, what he has experienced is, in a lot of ways, undeserved, actually. In some ways, it was not Joseph's fault that his dad, Jacob, favored him over the rest of his brothers in a obvious way. It wasn't completely Joseph's fault that he had dreams it was a little bit of his fault for bragging about the dreams, but it was not necessarily his fault that his brothers got so jealous that they actually wanted to kill him. It wasn't Joseph's fault that his brothers chose not to kill him because they thought it would be an opportunity to make money off of getting rid of the brother that they were jealous of, which ultimately has him go into slavery. Pastor Linda mentioned it last week, but this is, the, this is the first cliffhanger that we saw in chapter 37. Joseph's brothers make it look like Joseph was attacked by an animal, and Jacob, his dad, thinks that Joseph is dead. At this point of the story, we have no idea where Joseph is going, what's going to happen to him, in what state he will be in. And we also uh, learned last week that there was no mention of God. God does not speak. There, the narrator doesn't even talk about God in chapter 37. So we must enter what we will look at soon with the questions of what happens 
What happens to Joseph? Where is God in the story? What is he doing? When we go through unexpected events in our lives, don't we wonder the same questions? With all the ups and downs in life, with all the questions about specific situations and seasons in our lives, we wonder where God is, what he's doing. And in those moments, we can barely understand what is happening, let alone why it is happening. And I know that I can relate at a deep level with Joseph. So this is where we pick up on his story. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. We will pretty much look at the entire chapter, but for now we're going to read verses 1 through 6. But before I continue, I want to provide a really quick content uh, trigger warning. Um, If you have never read this passage, there is actually a portion of the chapter that we will read later that deals with sexual harassment and assault. So if you want to excuse yourself, it's going to be later in the message at any point. If you want to excuse yourself, please feel free. So if you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with me on the screen. Genesis 39, starting from verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the, that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time Potiphar put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. We'll stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray uh, really quickly before we continue. Lord, we want to pray again, especially after looking even at a brief portion of Scripture, what Pastor Danny prayed, that you would be the one feeding us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for who you are, that you want a relationship with us and that you want to be with us. May that be very, very evident, very, very true, very palpable in our minds, in our hearts, and and in our souls. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis 39, if you take a quick glance at it, it is actually bookended Uh, at the beginning and at the end with a set of very, very similar verses. We read that the, the Lord was with Joseph. It's both at the beginning and at the end. We read that Joseph received favor. It's, again, at the beginning, at the end. Joseph was put in charge of something at the beginning of the story, at the end of the story in chapter 39. And again, Joseph was, I mean, the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord gave Joseph success Here in Genesis chapter 39, it's the first time God shows up in the story of Joseph. God doesn't speak, but the narrator inputs this detail. After no mention of God at all, chapter 39 has seven mentions of God, specifically using his personal name of Yahweh. 
The narrator is being very intentional about surrounding the, the middle of this chapter with the fact that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. By using the same language in these verses at the beginning, at the end, I believe that the author of uh, the book of Genesis is trying to remind us that God, is, God has actually always been with Joseph, even when he wasn't talked about, even when he didn't speak. God has always been with Joseph. Genesis 39 in particular is telling us that God will always be with his people. And so for us this morning, we want to remember in God, in all our experiences, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. In verses 1 through 6, we see that, we see that God is with Joseph in his successes and in his prospering. Through these verses, God reminds us that he is with you and me in the heights. I'm calling it in the heights. God is with you in the heights. When everything is going well, when you're thriving, you're succeeding. And this, this might seem really obvious that God would be present, that God would be with you in those moments. But specifically in verses 2 to 6, we see that what the narrator wants us to see is that God is the reason and the source of our success and our blessings. Joseph was a slave in Egypt, and he, quote-unquote, lucked out. He ends up being sold to Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, so high-level official, captain of the guard, and because God was with Joseph in an obvious way, Potiphar, somehow, there was very low likelihood, if not no likelihood, that Potiphar believed in the same God as Joseph, but somehow Potiphar knew that God was with him. Potiphar noticed that there was something supernatural about how Joseph lived his life, how this Hebrew slave just went through his his day-to-day life. So rather than doing menial work, Joseph actually becomes Potiphar's personal assistant. Instead of working outside, he works inside. In verse 6, we are told that Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in, in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. It's the impression that Potiphar had to worry about nothing outside of putting food in his mouth. That's how much Joseph took care of Potiphar's life. So Joseph was highly trusted, probably lived really comfortably compared to other slaves in his time. And the author of Genesis does not want any confusion about why Joseph's situation is as good as it is in this point of the story, that God is the main character It doesn't say that Joseph worked his way up. It doesn't say that Joseph achieved anything. It's all that the Lord did. God was with Joseph. In this moment of life, God gave him success. And this is hard for us because I think we live in a world where we have to earn our our success. We have to earn our blessings. We are told that through hard work and some good luck, right, we got to put in the blood, sweat, and tears and some good luck, we can prosper in our specific career field, in our finances, in our relational goals of, you know, probably getting married and having a family and so on. And very rarely do we feel like in this world we have arrived at any sort of destination of success. We attain one definition of success and we simply move on quickly to the next tier, next level of success to pursue. But here in Genesis and in God's 
eyes and, in, and for God's people, success and prosperity happens at specific points in our lives because of God and only because of God. That doesn't mean that God doesn't use ordinary means. He used ordinary means of this Egyptian official, Potiphar. God used the ordinary means of Joseph simply doing a really good job and being loyal to Potiphar. But it was God who brought him success. It was God who was with him to rise out of the literal pit of being hated and abandoned by his brothers to becoming a favored servant in the house of Potiphar. Uh, some of you know that um, my wife Julie and I were expecting our second child, and uh, this past week we found out that we're having a baby boy. Uh, and, and we are so, so thankful for a lot of reasons. It's not that I like, really needed a boy. I'm actually like, scared. I'm going to mess this kid's life up. Uh, but many of you don't know that there was a very real possibility that we weren't going to be able to have our own children. It was actually more like having our own children was closer to an impossibility. So when I look at our daughter, Sela, and we, I see my son growing very quickly in my, in my wife's womb, these are miracle babies. Yes, of course, God used ordinary means, you know, human reproduction, doctors, modern medicine, but even those things are from God. And I don't share that to say, oh, look at me, like God loves me, I'm so blessed. But rather, in this particular area, it's all God. God is the sole reason, the sole source of my quote and unquote success of having children. We are very quick, right? Like to move on to the next milestone, the next blessing, the next thing that will bring us joy and satisfaction. But it is so important for us to, for our relationship with God to recognize when God's presence is with us when things are going well. It is so good for our spiritual health to name and reflect upon how God is showing up in our lives at the, at the high points. Have you ever experienced God's unexpected blessing or success that was clearly because of him? Journal all about that. Put, make, a, make an anniversary on your calendar. Find ways to commemorate those victories and successes and name them as God's victories and successes in your life. As God's daughters and sons, the Lord is with you and the Lord has blessed you in those particular victories, those particular blessings, those particular successes for a reason. I wish I could tell you what those reasons are. Only God knows. God is with us in the heights. God is with us and, and God is the reason and source for those successes, just like it was for Joseph. So if Joseph's life it was uh, getting better in verses 1 through 6, we actually see it all blow up in his face in the rest of the chapter. If Joseph's life was ascending to a height of comfort, of favor, as Potiphar's personal assistant, it begins to absolutely nosedive. One Bible commentator, he says, amid Joseph's many blessings, he suffers one endowment too many, 
stunning beauty. Shoot, I wish I had that blessing, right? He is so physically attractive, so good-looking, that Potiphar's wife is relentless. Day after day in wanting to have an affair with them and have sex with Joseph. Joseph is firmly saying no. He is refusing every one of her advances because for him it would first be disloyal to Potiphar, his master, and second, that it would be sinning against God. Potiphar's wife is not deterred one bit. She continues to pursue him and she literally grabs him. The NIV, which is the translation that I'm using, it describes this uh, piece of clothing as cloak, but it actually is possible that it was one of his undergarments. So you have to think about how aggressive Potiphar's wife was. Joseph's wife runs out of the house, fleeing from Potiphar's wife. And in verses 13 to 20, if, you know, things weren't as complicated, you know, weren't complicated enough, we see that Potiphar's wife is a master manipulator. She was denied by Joseph even when she used force, so she decides to make him pay by lying and accusing him of assault when she was the one who assaulted him. She then puts the pressure on her husband, blaming Potiphar as the one. You brought this Hebrew slave into our house. That's what she says. She doesn't even use his name. She appeals to uh, xenophobia, to racism, to make sure Joseph gets punished. In verse 19, it tells us that Potiphar burned with anger. But the interesting thing is, you don't know necessarily if he's angry at Joseph or at his wife. It's possible that he sees through his wife's lies because Joseph, by the rule of the law at the time, should have been executed for his crime. It would have been completely justified. But Potiphar instead puts him in prison. And we are told that it's actually like a VIP prison. It's with, it's with others of Pharaoh's prisoners, which is a key, key thing for us to remember for next week. And in verses 20 and 21, in this crappy situation, we read, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him and he showed him kindness. He see, here we see that jo- God is with Joseph, not only when things are going well for him in Potiphar's house, but also when things absolutely fall apart. God is with Joseph in the depths, and that promise, sorry, that promise remains true for you and me too. God is with you in the depths. In a lot of ways, Joseph does everything right. Joseph was loyal to Potiphar. He had integrity before God. He did not commit adultery But so much goes wrong for him. And this, unfortunately, is a reality that we all experience a little too much. In this broken world, you can do everything right and still experience a lot of wrong. Living in a broken world means that we not only sin against God ourselves, but that we are also sinned against by others. We experience mistreatment, injustice. We are threatened and harmed. We are lied to and we are lied about to others. 
When the writer of Genesis that the Lord was with him in prison, he is also telling us that God is with you and me in all of those experiences. In our lowest moments, God is more present than we could ever realize. And I know that we generally don't like talking about these experiences in the depths, those low points in our lives where we have experienced a lot of pain, sadness, anger, and loneliness. And for some of us, the only times we might be even willing to talk about these things is when we feel like we have experienced some sort of picture-perfect redemption, healing, or restoration. And as very ironic as it is that I'm mentioning it right now, I don't like talking about some of the things that I've experienced in my life. I don't like talking about some of the emotional and spiritual abuse I've experienced. I don't like talking about the failures I've experienced. I don't enjoy talking about how angry and sad I feel about some of the ways that I've been mistreated in my life. And it's one thing when your therapist tells you, you, she has told me multiple times, you have a lot of trauma to work through. These are things that I wish didn't happen to me. And talking about them is often very difficult because, to be honest, a lot of these experiences are not yet fully resolved. But if I think about the truth that God is with me in the depths, I need to talk about these things. I need to talk about them because I need to break that satanic lie that God wasn't present in those moments in my life. I need to break that satanic lie and replace it with the heavenly truth that God was indeed with me. How was he with me? That's not on us to figure out. That's not on you you or me to figure out, but we have to trust that he is with us. Just like God was with Joseph in the prison where he didn't deserve to be, God was with me in those moments and God was with you in those moments when we have felt probably so alone, so wronged, and so defeated. How am I so sure of that? Because I see it in my life and a lot of your lives too, where God gives us opportunities to use some of those experiences, implicitly and explicitly, to make us more aware, more empathetic, and more able to help others who might be going through similar experiences even many, many years later. Just a quick testimony. Um, Some of you know, because you were there, but at our wedding, um, because of a lot of relational falling out, neither set of parents were at our wedding. Things are much better now, like we have a relationship with them. But you know, the first wedding I officiated after I became, became a pastor, the parents threatened to not come. And I was able to walk those people, even when I hadn't resolved my situation completely. That stuff, that's not just a a coincidence. That's God working in mysterious ways. If any of you have been blessed because of something I've said or done, it is only because God was with me in my experiences in the past and that God is with me right now. Uh, Kate Bowler is a professor at Duke Divinity School, um, and she is also a cancer survivor, which led her to write uh, a book with a really good title, Everything Happens for a Reason, 
and other lies I've loved. In the book, she writes how some Christians get it wrong. And she writes this, what would it mean for Christians to give up that little piece of the American dream that says you are limitless? She's talking about making your own success, right? She continues, everything is not possible. The mighty kingdom of God is not yet here. And she asks this, what if rich did not have to mean wealthy and whole did not have to mean healed? What if being the people of the gospel meant that we are simply people with good news? God is here. We are loved. It is enough. We feel like for for us to be people of Jesus Christ, for us to be people of the gospel, we have to have our lives all figured out. We want our circumstances to make sense. We want our experiences to have have closure and a happy ending. We don't enjoy living life that feels so much like a paradox, where life is sometimes simultaneously full of grief and yet full of joy, where where despair somehow coexists with hope and where anger is often right alongside love. We read the story of Joseph and other figures in the Bible and we feel like our stories need to come full circle or, or have, have uh, yeah, just like that soft landing. But that's because we look at the, these stories in hindsight. Not everything we experience will be reconciled and figured out in our lifetime, even in those areas where we might already have experienced significant redemption and healing. Because God often, often works in very unexpected ways. You'll see it in Joseph's life. And I believe that sometimes our desire for control and perfection is actually the greatest barrier to a deeper relationship with God. God isn't bothered by our complicated experiences. God isn't thrown off when we have conflicting feelings. God doesn't keep his distance until we figure it all out. God is far more gracious, glorious, and loving than that. And that means walking with Jesus, living with God, should be more mysterious, more surprising than we could ever imagine it is. The more we get to know God, we should be more blown away by him. If we would let go of that desire for control and perfection, we might start to realize deeply in our souls that God is with you more than we could ever realize, even in the depths. By letting go of some of those things, we might be more liberated, more available to experience far more of God's presence and power in unexpected moments and unexpected places in our lives. God is with you in the heights, and God is also with you in the depths. And looking at Genesis 39, it's another cliffhanger. We don't know why all of this has happened to him, where it feels like he's ascending and everything crashes and burns. But when I kept reading Genesis 39 and saw that the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, written at multiple places, it made me wonder if someone were to write my story or your story on paper, 
At which moments do you think the phrase, the Lord was with her, the Lord was with him, where do you think those words would be included? It's easy to think about the the height moments, right? I think we'll be really surprised at what experiences in the depths will have the words written, the Lord was with her, the Lord was with him. And this is the challenge and application for us today. It's not just to acknowledge the truth that God is with with you and me. The challenge and application for us is to actually live every day like God is actually with us. And in thinking about Joseph, this is me trying to be clever, so don't quote me on it, but an oversimplified definition of sin is living like God is not with us like he doesn't exist. Potiphar's wife lived like God didn't exist, right? She lied like it didn't matter that she lied. She did things like it didn't matter to another person. And an oversimplified definition of faithfulness is living like God is always with us, like he's sitting next to us right now, like he's going with us wherever we go, joining us whoever we are with and seeing everything happening to us and also seeing everything that we do. I think that is faithfulness. And to Joseph's credit, until God made it clear, until God moved in his life, Joseph remained faithful. Whether he was in Potiphar's house or in the prison, he lived as if God was actually present, actually with him in whatever circumstance he faced. And that's, that's our call, too. Many of us don't know what God will do with some of our life experiences, but our response of faithfulness is to treat all of life as if God is aware, as if God is for us, and if God, as if God is truly, truly with us in all our experiences. So, end of chapter 39, he's in prison. It doesn't look very different than him being placed or sold away into slavery. You'll have to wait for next week to figure out how that story is resolved. But we can walk away with the truth that is at multiple places in this chapter. The Lord is with you. Uh, Later this week, a new album uh, will be released by Maverick City Music and Kirk Franklin. If you don't know Kirk Franklin, you need to listen to him. I think I shared last time. I've been trying to listen to more gospel music. And uh, and the title track, um, actually, you won't be able to tell, but the entire album was recorded on the grounds of Everglades Correctional Institute in Miami-Dade, Florida. So this worship worship album was recorded at a prison. The title track is called Kingdom, and as the kids say, it's a bop, right? That's probably the coolest thing I've ever said (laughs) in a very uncool way. In this music video for the uh, Kingdom, prison inmates are passionately and joyfully worship God. There are in 
their prison clothing, alongside the musicians, alongside the singers. And they're singing words like this. If you ever wondered what heaven looks like, it's looking like me and you. If you ever questioned what heaven sounds like, just let it fill the room. I think some, for some of us, our imagination of heaven is too sterile, too boring. We think about picture-perfect people, but I think heaven's going to look more like what happened in this album recording. When we see Jesus face-to-face all sorts of people with all sorts of histories and track records, with experiences in the heights and experiences in the depths, they will declare that God never, never abandoned them and that God was with them through all the ups and downs in their lives. Every mountain high experience will become a reason for every single person. Just in one person's life, every mountain high experience will be a reason for every single person to worship God. Every valley low moment in just even one person's life will be a testimony of God's faithful presence for everyone to celebrate. Not a single person before God's throne will be disappointed. Not even one of them will be able to deny or refute the truth that God was with her or God was with him. And if we cling to God in this life, if we live with faithfulness to him, living as if he is right here with us, if we persist in living like God is wherever we go, whoever we're with, I fully believe that we will experience more of God's presence and power that is his kingdom here on earth. And not only for ourselves, but also for those around us. People who deeply know God, who deeply know that God is with us, want others to know that God can be with them as well. So we don't know exactly what will happen to Joseph. But we know that that God was with him. A lot of us don't know what's next. A A lot of us don't know what God will do with some of the experiences that we've had in our past. But we know one thing that the Lord is with you and the Lord is with me. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you even for this weird portion of scripture. In some ways, we, we, we read it and we wonder if Joseph received confirmation of that truth that the narrator puts in multiple places that you were with Joseph in the good times and in the bad. Because we know that as we experience some of those things, a lot of times we want a sign, we want encouragement, we want affirmation from you that you are indeed with us. God, I pray for my sisters and brothers here, those who know you and those who don't know you, that that truth would be more apparent in their lives. More than any of us can ever realize, that truth 
could be written at so many points in our story that the Lord was with me. God, I pray for my sisters and brothers to experience more of your presence and your, and your power in ways that make, make their hearts burst for you. That is not just about our personal blessings, our personal successes. But when we experience Yahweh being with us, it would lead us to profess how good you are, how worthy you are of living for, and how everything in this life will find its final word in the one and only true God of the universe. So walk with us in this journey, Lord. Watch over us in our experiences in the heights. Watch over us in our experiences in the depths. But give us every necessary resource so that we would live like, in faithfulness, live like you are indeed truly, actually with us. Even right now, you hear, you hear our songs that we sing this morning. You hear the prayers that we lift. You know our desires. Would you meet us even in the remainder of this service? Would you meet us in this upcoming week? with a greater sense that you go with us and that you're for us. So we depend on you with all that we have. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.